Well, um, we have seen today that the future of Miles Strait is very bright with our children and then our teenagers up here. And uh, really proud of our children being up and singing for us. One of the things that uh, really impresses me, because I know how hard it is as you get to be older in that group, but our fourth and fifth graders were up here as leaders and doing an incredible job in that. Thank you very much. We're going to um, turn our attention now to our study for today. So if you would, grab your study guide out of your bulletin. Grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack. And uh, we're going to move back once again this week to our Frequently Asked Questions series. And we're going to be talking about the church, questions about the church. Now I know that there are literally thousands and thousands of questions you could ask about a church. Uh, you could ask uh, for hours upon hours different questions and never repeat any of them. And so instead of trying to accomplish all of that in a 20-25-minute uh, time frame, we're just going to try to hit this morning four very important questions. And I really consider these to be extremely important questions. So I wish you'd pay careful attention, take good notes with what we'll be sharing this morning. We also understand that uh, when we talk about the church, we could be talking about several different things. We could be talking about the universal church, which is everyone who's part of God's family. Or, as we're going to see today, we're going to be talking about the local church and just our church. I don't want to try and answer these questions for the universal church. I don't want to try answering these questions for every church. I just want to answer these questions for our church. I think right now that's what's important to us. How would we respond as a church to these questions? So if you're ready, let's go ahead and jump in. If you didn't already, you can also find a clipboard and a pen in the book rack in front of you that'll help you in taking notes. Feel free to grab those. Question number one, your first fill in. Is this a church where my family will be regularly fed by God's Word? Is this a church where my family will be regularly fed by God's Word? Now, I consider this to be one of the most important questions on the list. In fact, for our four questions today, this is probably the most important question that we're going to address. Because it's so significant. God places such a strong emphasis upon His Word. In fact, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, God tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Why is it so important that the word of Christ dwell in us richly or fully or completely to overflowing? Why is that so vitally important according to what God is showing us today? It's because there is one of our bedrocks. Our bedrock, of course, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 1, is the Word of God. And so we understand that the bedrock of God's Word is that which never changes, that which never goes out of style, that which does not change according to my, my particular problem or my particular difficulty. It's always stable, it's always the same, and it is always truth for me. So as a result, God encourages, strengthens, and commands us to make the Word of God a priority in our lives, to let it dwell within us, to become part of us in an overflowing way. 
And so with that understanding, we acknowledge the concept and the fact that we desperately need God's Word in our lives. And on top of that, we also know that, that we personally need God's Word in our lives. You personally need God's Word in your life. And so as pastors and leaders of this church, we know the significance of putting a priority on God's Word. But it goes even beyond that. And quite honestly, while we place a great significance and importance upon God's Word, we know that one of the reasons we have to do so is because of the fact that God gives us very straight commandments to do so. Second verse you'll see on your sheet, at least I believe it's there. This is one I added a little later, maybe it's not. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. See, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now, let me pause for a second because you may have never thought about the pastors or the teachers of this church being a gift from Jesus Christ. It's time you started thinking that way. Uh, because this is exactly what the Bible shows us, that God has placed us here with a very particular responsibility. Look at verse 12, if you have that listed. It says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So we have a responsibility before God. We know the Bible says that those who teach the Word are held to a higher standard than other people. We know that God holds us accountable to him to preach and teach the Word of God so that the body of Christ can grow and can develop so that we as a group will do what needs to be done as a church according to what God requires of us. And so God places upon us a very strict responsibility to teach and preach the Word of God. That's why when you come to the auditorium, someone is going to be preaching the Word of God. That's why when you go to your Sunday school classes or Sunday morning Bible study groups, or you go to the children's ministry or the youth group or the young adult ministries, or you go to the senior adult ministries, there's going to be someone who teaches the Word of God. We know the significance of God's Word. It's why when we start our life groups in January, the person who is facilitating the life group will understand the significance and the importance of the Word of God, and it will be taught diligently. Why? Because God requires that of us, and because we so desperately need it. We desperately need the Word of God in our lives. So then... Is this a church where my family will be regularly fed God's Word? The answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Question number two. Uh, how does this church categorize themselves? How would we categorize ourselves? Now, I've got to be honest with you. I couldn't think of a good way to ask that question. It's just one of those questions that, that I'm going to have to go in a little deeper and explain to you what I'm talking about because that is so vague, it can mean literally anything, right? So let me, let me just drop some thoughts on you. Would we categorize ourselves as a congregation, a gathering of friends, a group of people, a group of, of sinners and hypocrites and rejects and outcasts? How would we categorize ourselves? And the truth is... We could actually put ourselves in all of those categories, couldn't we? I mean, because the fact of the matter is that we are all sinners. 
We've all rebelled against God. We all fall into the same category of, of being sinful people. We have a sin nature. We all are hypocrites in one way or another. We, we want to put on good shows at church on Sunday, don't we? Let's just be real for a little while. We want everybody to think that we're the perfect Christian, and yet through the week we find out that maybe we're not as perfect as we've led other people to believe. That's hypocritical, right? And there are a lot of people who are watching our lives who see that, and that's what they term it. Oh, there's another hypocrite. And unfortunately, we are that. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We've already seen that in the fact that we are sinners. And as sinners, we're going to do things that sinful people do. We're going to fail. We're going we're to show ourselves to be hypocritical. It's an unfortunate thing, but it's reality for us. And on top of that, we're rejects. Yeah, some people from their own families, some from their community, some from our society, some from other churches. And we've come together because we've got something in common here. We're all the same. We don't look down our noses at anyone because we all fall into that same category. Maybe we would look and see that someone's worse than we or some are better than we are. But the fact of the matter is, we all fit the category but I think if there's one particular way to categorize ourselves as a church, I would go beyond what I've already mentioned to say that we would categorize ourselves as family. I really think that that's very applicable for this group of people, that we are family. I mean, one of the great benefits of being part of, part of uh, Jesus Christ, of, of being born into the family of God, is that very thing, that we become family. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, speaking of Jesus, it says, To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Family. Family. We all have this in common, that we are family one of another. And as a family, it doesn't mean that we always agree with each other. It doesn't mean that we don't have problems and difficulties to work out. It doesn't mean that we don't have little tiffs and sometimes some big tiffs. It doesn't mean that because we're family and families have those issues too. But what it does mean is that we care for each other so much that we're willing to work through the problems. We're willing to deal with the issues as they come up. Because we're sinners, we're going to have those problems. And so we're going to work through them when they come up. We're going to deal with the issues as they come up. We're not going to let them fester. We're not going to let them grow. We're not going to let them turn into bitterness. We're going to deal with those things when they come up. Because that's the way a family is supposed to do. Maybe you came from a dysfunctional family and you don't understand that concept. I'm sorry for you, I really am, because you've missed out on such an incredible blessing. But what you missed out on in the world, you're going to find right here. You're going to find a group of people who will love you unconditionally. That's why when you come in, you may look different than us. You may talk different from us. You may sing different from us. And yet it doesn't seem to matter. Because we don't look down our noses. We know that we're all in the same category of being sinners, but we also fit into this category of wanting to be family. We want to act like a family, function like a family, a well-organized, a family that is filled with love. And that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to be family. 
And so how would we categorize ourselves? I think the best way for us to say it is, you know what? We're just family. We're just family. We just love each other regardless of what's going on. And when there's problems, we deal with them. Question. says, is this a church where my family will be able to make friends? Is this a church where my family will be able to make friends? You may say, well, that, that doesn't have anything to do with church, does it? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. It's so very important. There's a lot of reasons why it's important. Number one, we just need friendships. We need to have people who are as close as family, who are family. We need to have those people who are going to encourage us, who are going to support us, who are going to pray for us, who are going to maybe kick us in the seat of the pants when we need that. We need those close friends. But did you know that it's also important for people staying in a church family that they have close friends? What I've seen as far as statistics are concerned is that if you haven't made two or three very close friends within a year's time, you will not stay in a church. And how sad that is because, number one, God's required us to come. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, Hebrews tells us. So we have a responsibility before God to be here. Number two, we need each other so desperately. We need the friendships. And so it's so sad when that's not happening, when it's not developing the way it's supposed to. And so as a church, we get involved and we do our best to foster those things, to develop friendships, to help those things develop on their own. And we have some really important things going on like Sunday school, Bible study groups. Uh, we have service teams that work together so closely. There's where you start building some really good friendships. First of January, when we start our, uh, our life groups, man, you're talking about building some strong friendships. There's the place to do it. In our, our small group environment, you're going to love it. I'm telling you what, you, you just cannot understand unless you've already been involved in one the benefits that are going to come as a result of being involved in a life group. And you're going to be able to build friendships and establish friendships. And We do other things like fellowship in the park where you get to come out and we just have food provided and you bring some sides to go along with it. And the whole night is just about getting to know people. There's no agenda other than we just want you to get to know people. We just want you to learn who people are, to develop additional friendships, to go a little bit out of your way to make a friend with someone else. And how important that is. Because we all need those friendships. I can tell you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the insight or the ability to know these things because people don't come and talk to you like they would me. But... There are people seated in the auditorium right now who are going through some very desperate times. And they need someone to be a friend. They need someone to be a friend. And guess what? Not only then is this just something that is needed, but as we've seen with the other two, it's also something that's required by God. God requires us to be a friend. God requires us to reach out. Let me just read to you several passages. Four, in fact. Paul is writing in all of these books. He says in Romans 12, 9, and, and 9 through 13, he said, Love must be sincere. 
Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And listen to this. You're talking about slamming society. Honor one another above yourselves. How crazy is that, right? That goes against everything we're ever taught in our society. Honor someone above myself. In other words, I'm to see other people as more important than I am. Man, that just kind of flies in the face of what our society teaches. And yet that's what God requires of us. That we are to honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep up your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, does that ever happen? Oh yeah, unfortunately that happens. If one has a complaint against another, listen to what he says forgiving one another so we deal with the issue we don't overlook it I tell you what worst thing I think we can do is to have a problem and just say well we're just gonna overlook it no let's deal with the problems let's face them head-on let's do it in love and then let's forgive and let's move on if we don't deal with the problems then bitterness takes hold and anger takes over and nothing is accomplished except division. We can't afford division in the church. We can't afford division in our family. God's given us something to do and it's huge. God's given us so much to do that we've got to be on the same page. We've got to be working together to accomplish that. We can't be divided as a body. We've got to be together. And so we forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are to forgive. How has God forgiven us? When we were born into the family of God, what did God do with all of our rebellion, all of our sin against Him? What did He do with it? He forgave it. And guess what? We are never reunited with our sin again. It's not that someday we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and, and all of a sudden here comes our sin back and it's piled on top. Look at all this stuff you did. No. Because it was forgiven. Completely. Fully. And as the example of Jesus Christ giving his life, sacrificing to pay the price of our sin, now we are to forgive others. Responsibility falls on us. We read then Philippians 2, 2 through 4. Fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. So here's the responsibility. We are to be a friend to everyone who comes in this door. To everyone who walks in this auditorium, we are to be a friend. But I want you to know that we've got a responsibility as believers to be a friend to people outside our doors. To be a friend to people in our community, be a friend to people around our world. We have an incredibly big responsibility to be a friend to other people. So then, is this a church where my family will be able to make friends? Absolutely. 
But let me throw this out. Okay, this is slap time, right? We all get slapped around a little bit every now and then, and this is one of those times. Because if you come in the church and you say, well, I'm just not finding that here, then I want you to pause for a second and remember what the book of Proverbs says. A friend must show himself friendly. In other words, a person who's going to have friends must be a friend. So then, I want you to ask yourself, well, have I been someone who has been friendly when I've come in? You say, I'm a guest here. Well, let me give you something to think about. You may have walked in the church and sat down among a group of people, and there's very few places in the auditorium where you're not going to do that. You sat down among a group of people and no one talked to you. But guess what? Maybe every single person around you is also a guest here. Every week we have many guests come through our doors. And so you might have sat down among other people who were thinking the same thing. Well, nobody's talking to me. And they're thinking, why isn't that person? And that's you. And you're thinking, why isn't that person? And that's them. And nothing's happening. And both of you are going to leave saying, well, that's not a friendly place. So then I'm extending a responsibility to you as well. And you say, well, I don't want that responsibility. It's too late. I've already extended it. Uh, you've got to be friendly. You've got to be a friend. Because you never know the impact you're going to make on someone's life. The person that's sitting closest to you who may never look at you because they're like me, a little bit introverted. They may never smile. They may never talk. They may be the one that most desperately needs a friend right now. God gives us a responsibility to be that friend. To be the friend. To be a friend, to be a friend, to be a friend, to be a friend. That means that we have to get out of what's comfortable for us and reach out to people around us. And not just the same people. Man, it's so easy because we're comfortable around a group of people. We've got to get beyond the borders, right? And we've got to let other people know, we're so glad you're here. We want to be a friend to you. We want to be a friend. Well, one more question to ask. And that is, is this church a place where I can be involved? Is this church a place where I can be involved, where I can get involved in what's happening? And let me tell you without any hesitation, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Let me give you a couple of reasons why I'm so uh, completely confident in that answer. Number one is because we need you to be involved. I mean, what God has called our church to do is huge. He's called us to, to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ both here and around the world. We've got a huge responsibility. We've got a responsibility to raise up our kids in this church, to, to equip them the best we can to complement what parents are doing at home and what grandparents are doing at home. And we've got a responsibility to our teenagers to do the same thing, to, to train them up and complement what's happening at home. We've got a responsibility to, to go into our community and let them know the love of Jesus Christ as they watch our lives and as we share our faith with them. 
And we've got a responsibility to our missionaries around the world to be part of their ministry, to encourage and strengthen them. We've got a responsibility to the people that they will minister to in the days that which they are on the field. We've got a big responsibility. We have a responsibility that can only be accomplished if we're all involved. And so we need you to be involved. We need you to be serving. We have some gaps here and there that need to be filled. We need you to be involved. But not only is it one of those situations where we all need to be involved, but it's also, as we've seen with the other three thoughts, a requirement from God. Let me read to you a couple of verses. Jesus said in Matthew 23:11, "The greatest among you will be your servant." Servant. They will be serving others. Jesus is the great example. Mark chapter 10 verse 45, "For even the son of man did not come to be served, he had every right to be served. He was God." And yet what it says is, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. There's a responsibility that's placed upon us by God to serve others. And that's a responsibility we take very seriously. You say, well, how do I get involved? You know, it may be that, that you wouldn't know who to go and talk to. So let me just give you a very easy way to get involved. You'll find a connection card in your bulletin. If you'll take that connection card out and just write at the top information about being involved. We will get that information to you this week. We'll contact you. And one of the things I wish that you would be considering between now and then is the answer to this question. What do I enjoy doing? You know what? We actually want you serving, doing something that you enjoy. Isn't that crazy? We really want you serving, doing something that you enjoy doing. If you don't like working with children, how crazy would it be for us to put you in the nursery? You know, it's a little bit foolish. But on the other hand, if you love singing, then where would the initial place we would want to talk to you about being? In the choir. You play an instrument. You like working with technical things. Man, we've got a, we've got a whole area back here that needs your help. And so we'd like just to know, what do you enjoy doing? And one of the first things, if I'm the one that contacts you, one of the first things I'm going to ask you is, what do you like doing? Well, I love building. Or I love tearing things apart. Or I love organizing. You're like a dream come true. If you like organizing. And we would just love to know what you enjoy. And then what we desire from you is that you find one or two places that you're passionate about, that you're going to pour your heart into, and you're going to do with excellence. Because that's what we try to ac accomplish in everything this church does, is excellence. Because we're representing God. It's not just representing us. We're representing God. And so we want everything we do to be done with excellence.
And so we'd love for you just to say, hey, here's my place. And here's what I'm going to engage. And here's what I'm going to do. I want to serve to my fullest ability. And then also, when we have a church-wide event, uh, in just a little bit, Jess Curley is going to come and he's going to tell us about a new ministry that I am so excited about. I mean, this is a way for us to reach out to the poorest children in our nation and make a difference in their lives. A big difference in their lives. You're going to hear about that in just a minute. And it's a way for us as a church to come together. And it's going to require the church to come together if we do everything we need to do. And other things that we do, like, for example, in just a few months, our fall festival comes. And that's a big deal. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of kids invade our property and they just have a great time. But when you have that many children running around, you need that many workers as well. You need that many people manning different uh, booths or different games or different stations. And so... We get involved in our personal things. These are the things I'm going to do with pride. I'm going to do with excellence. But then I'm also going to be involved when there's a church-wide event. So it goes off just the way it's supposed to. You see, God has given us some very big responsibilities as a church. So then what are you going to do with this information? Well, let's just go right down the list. Number one, I pray that what you do with this information is understand the significance of God's Word for your life and that you make it a priority. That you begin to invest in God's Word day in, day out, and you watch how God changes your life as a result of His, His Word invading or dwelling within you richly. Watch and see what happens. And I hope, number two, that, that, that we begin to see ourselves as a family, if you haven't already. That you understand this is a family environment and we start acting like a family in every way. That when there's issues, we just deal with them. Hey, this is a family, let's deal with it, let's move on. Because there's too much at stake. We can't have these petty grievances, these little things going on that are bringing division in the church. We can't have that. We've got to work together for a solution because we're a family. We're a family. And I hope that you understand the responsibility that God has placed on all of us that we are to be a friend to anyone and everyone who comes through our doors, to people in our communities, to people around the world. We have a responsibility to be a friend to them. That means that we're going to get out of what's comfortable. We're going to step away from our, our insecurities and we're going to go do what needs to be done to let people know we're glad they're here, to begin to make friendships, to form bonds, to do what God has called us to do. And then finally, that you begin looking for a place to be involved. That you make every effort to find that place where you can serve with excellence. And I'm not talking passively, well, I'll be there if I want to, I'll be there if I can. But you're going to be there. You're going to serve with excellence. You're going to pour your heart into it. Because God deserves nothing less from us than that. And we give it our all. And you're going to find that place to be involved. And together when we do this, we're going to see the effectiveness of Miles Strait Baptist Church increase in manifold ways. We're going to see the outreach of our church grow, double, triple, because we're all working 
with a common goal, with one heart, and with one mind to accomplish the purpose of bringing glory to our great God. So that's what you do with this information. So now that's my prayer. I guess the final question is, you've heard my heart. You've heard what I'm praying you do with this information. What are you going to do with it?